Hey guys, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's kind of a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. You can find the podcast on YouTube, and you can also find the podcast anywhere that you can get your podcast. And we're so thankful that you guys are with us today. So I'll be out of town Monday. So this podcast on a Wednesday is a replacement for Monday, right? Just to let you know. All right. So let's move forward. Guys, I can't tell you how excited I am about this topic because, I mean, it just... I don't know why. Like, it just hit different today. And I didn't even know. I didn't plan on podcasting today. I didn't plan on doing anything. So it's weird. As I came into the office, I came in a little early. And most times I come in an hour early, 30 minutes early. So sometimes I'll walk the parking lot. And as I walk the parking lot, I might just walk around. I might have some music on just to think about some stuff, meditate upon some stuff, pray about some stuff, and then kind of get the day started. And so as I'm doing that, I'm thinking about what? what can I do to improve? Like what book could I read? Right. Maybe something in a book will help me out. And so mom always taught me, you know, read a book a week, you know, that'll help you just read a book a week. So I'm thinking, well, what, what can I, what can I read? So I walk, I walk into the office as I'm walking through, I'm looking through my library. And as I'm looking through my library, I'm like, well, what book haven't I started or read yet? Where, where, where can I go? And I'm looking through. And then in the corner, there's a, just a black book with like gold letters on it. I was like, that's weird. I've never, as many times as I've walked up in here, I've never seen that book. Why is that? Th- why is that there? It's kind of like that movie where, you know, you got a group of people looking for like a special golden book or something. And then the librarian, well, I've, I know every book in this library. And then randomly they're like, what's that one? He's like, that's a good question. I have no idea what that book is. So that's what happened this morning. I said, well, what is that? So I was like, okay, this it looks cool. So let me just pull it out. So I pulled the book out. And the book is entitled A Word Fitly Spoken. So I was like, ooh, I kind of like that title. So I look through and I look through some of the chapters and some of the chapters, you know, are on withholding your words, saying the right words, making sure you know how to season your words, right? All those things, which are great. But then as I'm flipping through, I stop in the middle and then all of a sudden it's a chapter on flowers and learning from roses. I'm like, time out. First of all, this... I have no idea where this book came from. Then we're talking about, you know, words. And all of a sudden now we're talking about flowers. What, what's up with this book? Something's going on today. I don't know what it is. But as I'm reading through it, as I'm reading through it more and more, I just sat there. I'm like, yep, we're podcasting on this right now. This is what we're doing because I think this can help you as it's helped me as I'm reading this. And what we're going to talk about, and you'll understand the topic. The topic is this. The beauty of the rose that comes from the ground. The beauty of the rose that comes from the ground. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Look, okay, let's let's get started. Okay, so what I'm going to do this, like I said, this isn't organized. So I'm working through here. And I'm, I'm just, you know, these are my thoughts as we're walking through. So this isn't like a normal organized thing. This is literally me sitting down, pressing record and we're going. Okay, so think about this. <clears throat> so if you've ever been to our building, you know, like we have a, you know, concrete parking lot and then we have a plot of grass next to us. So think about your church building, but here's how ours is described. You come in, you got the parking lot and then you got a plot of grass on the side. So imagine you pull in one Sunday or Wednesday and on the side where that grass is, the whole plot is a garden full of roses, full of roses, right? I mean, I'm talking about they're red, they're fragrant, they're beautiful. They just, the color is just gorgeous, right? So 
that's a beautiful that would be a beautiful sight to see wouldn't it every time you walked or you know drove to the building beautiful even driving past it you would have to look right but then imagine you pull up and you go to your normal parking space here at the building and as you go to your normal parking space you come up and there's a crack in the middle of your parking spot and as you get out the car there's one single rose that grows out of that crack. But here's here's the thing, though. That rose is just as red, if not redder, if that's a word. It's just as beautiful. It's just as fragrant. It's just as great as those other ones. But what's the difference between that single rose and those rose that are growing in, in those gardens, in that garden? Those roses that are growing in that garden, they're excelling and they're growing in the environment that they're supposed to grow in. But the one single one, you don't think about planting a garden in concrete, do you? But somehow, the hardness of that concrete, it grows and it flourishes as if it was growing in that garden. So now think about you and I, the beauty of the rose that comes from the ground. So what we're going to do as, and I'll just kind of read just a little excerpt and we're going to talk a little scripture as we're going through this, but what it's going to do, this book is going to give us a picture of the beauty of the rose, but it's also going to give us a picture of how the rose should be like the Christian. Right. I mean, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is this is a great thing to hear today. I mean, this is just the uh, the perfect thing for encouragement today. This is great. So now look at the first attribute of the rose. Number one. The rose is beautiful. All right. So the writer says each rose is a masterpiece of art wrought by the hand of the creator of heaven and earth. Its beauty attracts the attention of the passerby and it reminds him of the existence of God, right? Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. So you think about the rose, you know, for those that have, you know, spouses, for those that have, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you know, when you receive a rose, that's a sign of love, isn't it? Does it have to be a bouquet of them? Nope. What if you just get one? One is just as powerful as a bouquet, isn't it? Because of the single beauty that that one rose brings. So notice what notice what he's saying here. Each rose is a masterpiece. Guys, did you know that you are a masterpiece made and created by our creator? What this world and sometimes what we're good at doing for each other We're so good at trying to make you think that you're not good. We're so good at making you think you're not good. Or you're not good as this. But you are valuable. You are a masterpiece. You are a work of art. And so you are are precious. You are valued. The Lord deems you as worthy as a royal priesthood that he writes in Peter. So the thing about the rose... Is it's not out of an arrogance. 
it's really almost not even out of a confidence. It's because the Lord says I am, therefore I am. So the rose understands because I was created by God. God made me beautiful. Guess what you should think about yourself? That's what you are. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all are beautiful. And so notice this. The New Testament is filled with exhortations to the children of God, charging them with the responsibility to live a life that others will see Christ in you. Right? So watch what it says here. As the lovely rose attracts attention. So if we're driving up in the, in the building and this plot of grass is all roses, it doesn't matter what's going on around it, behind it, in front of it, how many cars are in the parking lot, how many people are out there. What's the first thing your eye is going to see? Your eye is attracted to that rose. So as the lovely rose attracts attention and reminds those that look on it that there is a God, so should the life of the Christian be to the glory of God, causing those that behold such beauty and strength of character to glorify God. <clears throat> you know, you think about the rose, how it attracts that attention. The rose is not doing anything. It's not swaying in the wind. It's not making noises. It's not even, you know, the plant itself doesn't even move like that, but it just stays still in its beauty. It doesn't have to say it's beautiful. It doesn't have to convince it's beautiful. It just is. It just is. So the way that you live your life, the way that you try to let your light shine, Matthew chapter five, do you have to boast around that you're beautiful? Do you have to convince that you're beautiful? Do you have to try to tell people that you're valuable? You just are. You just are. Just be. You know, and I understand more and more why he says just be still. Just be. Why are we spending our time trying to tell other people the beauty that you have? Why are we spending time telling people the value that you hold? Why? Just be. Just be. So here's a misconception, and I've even fallen into this sometimes. So we understand Matthew chapter 5. We understand that as we live for Christ, as we strive to be what he wants us to be, not perfect, still falter, still failing, and still sinning, but not living a life of sin, but still at times finding ourselves in sin. As we grow and as we try to be that person, sometimes we don't like being deemed as that guy, that person, right? So sometimes we take things like, you know, you're different or, you know, you're this, but I'm not this. You're, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we take that as like a, what's the word? I mean, Sometimes we, we don't even take that as a badge of honor. We almost take it as, like, why, why do I have to be so different? You know, why, why do I have to be so different? But here's the thing about it. As you look at the rose, the rose embraces how different it is from other flowers. So when you think about it, the rose attracts beauty because it's different. So with us, as you work for Christ, as you try to be what he wants you to be among those that are not Christians and even among those that are Christians, guess what? 
you stand out. You stand out. And as you stand out, yes, I know it's easy to want to be like everybody else, but guess what standing out allows you to do? Standing out allows you to be that rose. It allows you as you work and as you try to be what the Lord wants you to be, it allows you to draw people to you so that you can draw people to Christ. But sometimes we don't like that. We don't like to be that single rose coming out of the concrete because I want what the other roses are doing. I want to have what the other roses have. You know, I don't want the responsibilities of this one rose. I just want to be like all the other ones. Well, wait a second. If that's the case, then can you show the real beauty that you have and really show Christ's beauty? The beauty of the rose that grows up out of the ground. So now think about it. So if you're coming into the parking lot and you see that bed of roses, but then you see that one that grows up out of the ground. If you had to pick one, which one would you pick? The one that grows out of the concrete, because what's different about the other ones? This one, though. So imagine you had a girl. Imagine you had a guy. You want to give them something. You're going to pick a rose that's just like everybody else? I want that one. I don't know why this is different. It looks like everyone else's. But this grew and it flourished here. I want this one. I want to give my significant other this one. There's something special. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you got that feeling about people sometimes. I don't, I don't know what it is. There's just something. There's something about him. There's something about her. I can't. I can't explain it, but there's, they're different. There's something about them. There's something about her. And you pick it. And now you see that beauty of that rose. So number one, the beauty of the rose that grows from the ground. Number one, we are to show our beauty because that's what God says we are. And that's what we are to show so that others can become to know Christ as well. Then number two, what else do we know about the rose? He goes on to say, We see the beauty of it, right? But understand, here's one thing that every rose has. Now we're going to get a little bit deeper here. Every rose has thorns. Every rose has thorns. So watch this. There is no gathering the rose without being pricked by the thorns. When we walk through a garden of roses, we expect to find thorns on every single bush. We do not refuse to pluck and enjoy the beauty of the fragrance of the rose just because of the thorn. It would be foolish indeed to count the thorns while trampling the roses underneath our feet. So what does this prove about the Christian? So as we see the rose, right, and the rose represents us, guess what every Christian has? Every single Christian that you will meet, that you have met, and that you will meet in the future They are beautiful, but guess what everybody else has, though? Even the most beautiful, quote-unquote, Christians, they have faults, too. Every beautiful rose has thorns. No one is perfect, right? We think about what what John writes, right, in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So watch this. 
this is now this is where it gets into our relationship with each other as roses. One of the easiest things to do is to point out the fault of another rose. So think about how pointless that is. So imagine we had two roses here. If you're watching the video portion, I've got my I've got my hands up and we're imagining we got two roses. So if I got two roses and I got one rose that think it's better than the other one. And let's say those roses can talk. Are those roses both beautiful? Yes. But what does each rose have? Each one has thorns. So why is one trying to convince another that they have less thorns than the other one when they both have thorns? It's pointless. So what we can do for each other so many times is when we sin against each other, when we hurt one another, when we let one another down, guess what I can do all day to you if we have a conversation? See, there's a difference between fixing the problem and highlighting my thorn. See, that's what we're really good at. So if I come to someone or someone comes to me and we try to fix a problem, guess what I could do all day in that conversation? I can tell you every thorn that you have. You're this, you're that, you're that, you're this, you're never here, you're never this, you're never that, you're never this. All day. So is that fixing the problem? Guess what I'm doing? I'm just highlighting your fault. And then guess what you could do for me? Because you know I have thorns. You can tell me all day my faults. But what's that going to solve? What's that going to solve? Nothing. So watch what he says here about that. It does not take a smart person to do that. <laughs> but watch what he says here. But it takes a big heart and an alert mind to discover the virtues of another even underneath the fault. So now you got us as Christians working together, understanding that we have faults. Are you the type of Christian and are you the type of friend that when things are trying to get fixed, you just point out their faults and you just meditate on what they did wrong? Or are you the type of Christian that understands the fault, that doesn't excuse the fault, but you still see that there's beauty in the person with fault? There's a difference. You're not excusing the mistake. You're not excusing the sin. You're not excusing the hurt. You're not excusing that. But guess what you also realize as well? You're still beautiful. You're still this. You're still a good person. You still have a good heart. You still have all these things. But what finding fault and pointing out people's thorns can do to ourselves, what we can do, we can try to make that person a dead rose when that's not what they are. They just had a thorn. They just had a mistake. They just did something wrong. Does it mean that they're a bad rose? Does it mean it lost, they lost their beauty? But what can we convince ourselves in our minds? Because I spend so much time pointing out your faults and what you never did right, guess what, I, guess what I, I don't see anymore? I don't see the love that you have for God. I don't see your good heart anymore. I don't see the good person that you are anymore because I'm too busy looking at your faults. Guys, it takes a big heart and an alert mind to look at someone's virtues even underneath the fault of how they hurt you. 
So why do you think so many marriages today fall and fail and 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 um and falter? Because we become professional thorn pickers. We're professional at telling everybody how and why they're wrong rather than understanding why they were wrong, trying to fix the problem and elevating the beauty that they have. So we can't live first Corinthians chapter 13 verses what four through six. Because we're, we're not bearing all things. We're not hoping all things. We're not believing all things. We're not enduring all things, but rather we're pointing out all things. He goes on to say about this. While plucking even the most beautiful rose, we might get hurt by the thorns on the bush. You know, guys, what we tend to do sometimes when we see a rose, yes, we see its beauty, but sometimes we become so enamored by the beauty that we think that rose can't hurt us. And sometimes we have this thought process that every Christian is perfect when they're not. So the moment they hurt us, then that's the moment that we tear them down in our own minds. So we got to understand that every rose, as beautiful as it is, it's still a human. It's still a rose. It still has issues. So sometimes what we can do is we can hype people up to be this perfect thing. And the times that they let us down, then their their view, our view of them diminishes I, well, I didn't think you were this. I didn't think you were that. I understand faults, but you have to understand coming into it, that's not a perfect person. It's not. And to expect perfection out of somebody so that they can be perfect for you, that's messed up. That's messed up. And you're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be disappointed if you think everything is for you like that. And that's not that's not a selfless love. That's a selfish love. He goes on to say the radiance and the perfume of that rose causes us soon to forget the pricks of that thorn. So when you have a brother or a sister in Christ, as you pick that rose and you, ah, you ever pick a rose before and you hit that, ah, ooh, that hurt. But then as you hold that rose, it smells good. It looks good. How is your heart? When a brother or sister in Christ lets you down or hurts you. Yeah, you feel that thorn, don't you? Mm. Lick your finger, right? Ah, it hurt. But then can you see beyond that? Can you see beyond the hurt? Guess what? It takes a big heart to do that. Jesus did it. John chapter 3, verse 16. Guess what? We, we hurt him. When all he tried to do was pick us up and hold us and save us. But we pricked him by killing him. But guess what Christ still saw outside of the prick? He still saw our beauty. John chapter 3. He goes on to say in the book, if we look for people's virtues and we magnify their virtues in our minds, it will help us to forget the prick of the thorn. So guys, do this exercise. Someone that hurt you. Someone that let you down. Someone that disappointed you. The prick hurt, didn't it? Yeah, it hurt, didn't it? But when someone hurts you, when someone disappoints you, 
when someone doesn't do the things that you want them to do when you want them to do when you want them to do it as you sit there alone and think about it do you sit there and magnify their fault more in your mind or do you at least try to magnify their virtue and the type of person that they actually are whatever one you choose that determines how you love can you love despite the prick or every time you get pricked you got to pick another rose mm. think about it because guess what when you pick up one rose you get pricked you drop it but then you pick up another one guess what that rose is going to do to you too it's going to prick you so now here's what we got to we got to realize is as the Lord did that to us, he saw beyond that. Can your love get to the point, or is it even there now, where your love can see beyond somebody's prick that they did to you? Powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. So the rose has beauty. The rose also has the thorn. And there's, there's many more that we can go into, but for sake of time, um, here's the third one that I wanted to mention. The more that the roses are cut, the more productive the bush. So when you think about that garden of roses that we just, that we just pictured, right? It's good to leave some roses on the bush, he says, to adorn the garden. But the grower of the roses who never cuts the roses to give for others to enjoy will soon find that he has very few roses growing in his garden. Thus, nature teaches the value of generosity and benevolence. The more roses that one gives others, the more he will have for his own pleasure. I think about Jesus, and I was talking with Caleb Rutherford about this last night. I think about Jesus a lot lately, a lot. I mean, just I think about how he embodies Luke 15. I think about Philippians 2 a lot. I think about 1 Corinthians 13 a lot. And sometimes you try to put yourself in his position. And as you try to put yourself in, in his position, like in every scenario, sometimes it's like, I don't know if I could have done it. You know what I mean? I don't know if I could have done it. But think about Jesus. Think about all that he gave. I mean, he gave of his heart. He gave of his soul. He gave of his body. He gave of his mind. He gave us everything he had. And after he gave us everything that he had, how do we treat him? Like he didn't do anything, which is really messed up the more and more you think about that. But so think about it from your perspective. What if you've done that in, in your life to people around you? You've given up your heart. You've given up your soul. You've given up your prayers. You've given up your tears. You've given up your time. You've given up so much for others. But when you do that, what if others don't give back? So if you explained your situation to your friends and even your Christian friends, what would they tell you? 
or you gave all this, don't do it anymore. You gave all this, stop giving. Or you did all this, you need to you need to go and do all this now. Really? Is that right though? Because Jesus gave. And as he gave and gave and gave and gave and gave, even on the cross, what was he still doing? He was still giving. He was giving forgiveness. Then he gave salvation. So sometimes, guys, it's so, so easy for our Christian friends, for our family, for people that we know and work with and all this stuff. It's so easy for them to justify in our minds, you gave enough. But did we, though? But did we, though? Could we have given more? You think about the rose. We have this connotation, especially in our society. If you give and give and give and give and give and you get nothing back, you're a sucker. If you give and give and give and give and give and give nothing back, you're a fool. If you give and 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 get nothing back, you're you're the stupid one. Is that true? Because here he says, the more that you give, the more you will have for your own pleasure. Christ gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. And last time I read my Bible, it didn't call Jesus stupid. Didn't call Jesus a fool. Didn't call Jesus a sucker. Last time I read my Bible, it called Jesus the king. It called Jesus royal. It called Jesus Lord. It called Jesus a servant. Don't let anybody tell you those things if you give. You're just like Jesus, man. You're just like him. The beauty of the rose that grows from the ground. You know, the more and more I think about it, guys, I saw something the other day, and I think I I put it on my story. If you want to be like Jesus, and you want to be like that rose that grows out of the ground, God will put you through the situations that Jesus went through. But you think about the song that we sing, I think it's called Above All. And it describes Jesus as like a rose trampled on the ground. He took the fall above all. And he thought of me above all. So even in his dying moments, Jesus was still giving. The more and more I study on being like God and being like Jesus. It's not necessarily contingent on other people doing and giving to me. Now, is that nice? Absolutely. Is that icing on the cake? Absolutely. Do you, do you not wish that doesn't happen? You want that to happen, but it's not contingent on it. What is contingent on me and you being like Christ is can I give to you when you trample me? 
Can I give to you when you hate me? Can I give to you when you despitefully use me and persecute me? And like Matthew chapter five, can I show you love then? Can I show you love when you prick me? That's how you really know if your love is defined like his. It's not defined by loving somebody that loves you and all that stuff. Even in Matthew chapter five, he mentions the publicans do that. What's so special about that love? But you want to measure up to me? You want to measure up to that rose that grows out of the ground? Let me put you in situations where you're trampled like that. Let me put you in situations where you're hated like that. Let me put you in situations where you're used like that. Let me put you in situations where you're persecuted like that. Then let me see how you react. Then let me see how you pray. Then let me see how you treat them. Then let me see your attitude. Then I can determine if you're like me. You know, as I'm growing up and growing, growing and growing, that's the perspective I want to look at things now. It's not a what's happening to you. It's how can I use this to find another stepping stone for me to love like he did? Because the more and more that I can get these lessons and not fail at these lessons, the more and more I'm going to be better for the congregation, for my family, for God, for a future spouse, because you know how to love in the beauty, but you also know how to love when you're pricked. See, people know how to love when people see them, see the beauty side of them. But can you love somebody the same way when they prick you? And can you see beyond that? The beauty of the rose from the ground. This little black book is awesome. <laughs> this little black black book is right. I like it. I like it. I, I'm reading through it. I'm like, whoa, this is, ooh, kind of just punched me in the face this morning. I was like, wow, man. But, I mean, I was just, those are kind of the thoughts as we were kind of going through this. And, I mean, I hope you're able to get some something out of this. Um, I know I, I definitely did. And it just really changes your perspective on, on how to be like Christ. It really does. And um, I hope that was able to encourage you. Um, I'm just thankful for you guys that you are here. And um, the author of the book, I don't even know if it's, I mean, it's so old. It's like an old gospel advocate book. It's called A Word Fitly Spoken by John D. Cox. A Word Fitly Spoken by John D. Cox. And sometimes the best books are the ones written in like the 40s. I mean, this is, this is, you can see just a regular black book. Well, it looks like a book you had to like blow it off and dust it off, you know, but it was just a great, great book and great study. And just, it was, it was great words to hear from, from, uh, from the book and from the word today. So, um, again, this is the replacement for Monday. I'll be out of town, but I appreciate you guys and, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Thanks guys.